Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, church. Thank you, praise team. Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Joshua, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to ask that we stand, please, in honor of reading God's word to us. as We read this together. Joshua 1, 1 through 9. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land that I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. And every place on which the sole of your foot steps, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No one will be able to oppose you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not desert you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success in wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will achieve success Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for your words to us. We give thanks for your presence in days of transition. And we thank you so much for the incredible example of Moses and Joshua. And we thank you that even as we read your words, that the people change, but you do not change. In all that we do, we give thanks. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. He was the only leader that these people had ever known. At the time of Moses' death, he had been leading Israel for 40 years. Every morning when they woke up, There were three things that they knew with absolute certainty was going to be the case. When they woke up and they looked in the sky, they saw a cloud in the shape of a pillar that they knew they would be following for that day. When they turned their gaze from the sky to the ground, they saw a bread-like substance on the ground every morning that they would go out and gather in preparation uh, to be sustained for that day's activities. And then the third thing, like clockwork, like the rising and setting of the sun, is that Moses would stand up, be in front of them, and then they would head out, following him as he followed the Lord. 
every day of their lives for those who were born during this great journey across the desert, which was virtually everyone in the people of God, they could count on those three things. And then all of a sudden that changed. As we think about Moses, he, his name kind of joins many names in the Old Testament. I think it's worth noting of how substantial a man of God he was. He was someone who was very active in that day, so active in fact that uh, in uh, the Jewish tradition, the first five books of the Bible are often simply referred to as the books of Moses. That is, those books that he uh, wrote down, those books that he had a hand in. And there is no person in the Old Testament that is mentioned more often in the New Testament than Moses. It shouldn't surprise us that when Jesus was transfigured, he saw uh, individuals from the Old Testament. There's no shock that Moses was one of them. And now we're at this key point in the life of Israel where for the first time in history, the first time that any participant could recall, Moses was not standing in front of them. Moses' final actions were to deliver a series of five sermons. Can you imagine listening to five of these in a row? Moses delivered them in the book of Deuteronomy, his, his farewell address as he was preparing to leave his people. And so it is when Joshua chapter 1 opens that this would have been an incredible turning point for the people of God who knew that God had been with them while Moses was their leader, but now there's someone else up there. And we get a sense of the drama that concerned the people of God as Moses began uh, uh, to depart from their memory and as Joshua stood up and began to lead them. Days of transitions are always challenging. They're challenging for individuals. They're challenging for us as we go through them, as things change. And they're also challenging for churches as things change as well. We are incredibly blessed, however, that God left us uh, his words. And we find throughout scripture days of transitions, times when things are different. Life is full of changes, as we know, and as we have experienced. There was a great Greek philosopher by the name of Heraclitus who said that the only constant in life is that it always changes. Things always move. Things are always different. I haven't lived in a lot of places, but it seems like every place I've ever lived, people always say, you know, John, if you don't like the weather around here, just wait 30 minutes, it'll change. Like every place I've lived, they've, they've said that. I'm beginning to think that's true everywhere, uh, that things change constantly. I've been confronted with this recently uh, because Karen and I have begun uncovering some old boxes of photographs. Used to, there was these things called photos. They were on pieces of paper, and you would share them with one another. That's all different now. And so we've got these boxes of photographs, and there has arisen in our family a difference of opinion about what should be done with them. We both agree that they should be scanned and digitized, but then what? That's where the division occurs. Because one of us in our family thinks that after digitizing them, we should save them. I mean, why would you save them all this time only to throw them away now that they've been digitized? And then another 
person in our family, half of us, thinks that once they're digitized, why do you need the paper anymore? Just get rid of them. Can you imagine that? I won't tell. So I'm the one that wants to keep them. I really want to, I want to hang on to these. And, and it's difficult for me to articulate exactly why that is once they have been digitized. But I've noticed something as we have looked through these decades of photographs, uh, things look a lot different today than they used to look in many different ways. There are different uh, devices in these photographs. There are different hairdos where, where hair remains. Things are very different in these. And I wonder, and boy, time just ravages everybody. I mean, over, over, as the decades have gone by, people look very different uh, today than they used to look. So what would a box of photographs from this church look like? And I'm not talking about just photos, because we have just photos of, of what First Baptist Belton was like in the 60s and 70s and 80s. But I'm talking more broadly than that. What what does this church look like today in terms of what we do and who we are that's very different from decades past? Because even if you and I, individually or as a church, don't want to change, guess what? Everybody else is changing. And for us as a church to be engaged in the community that we live in, in order for us to be faithful to God's command to us today, that is going to require that we change over time. It's true of churches. It's true of individuals. Fortunately, we see from Joshua that God speaks to his people during days of transition. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Joshua 1. God speaks to his people in days of transition. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead, so now arise, cross this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. The year was 1945. The month was April, and word was beginning to spread across the country that President Franklin Roosevelt who had been president for 14 years, had died. His death was a shock for as long as many people could remember he had been president. I was talking to a a dear saint of the Lord uh, in a church years ago, and she shared that she was a little girl in a one-room schoolhouse about an hour west of here, and she talked about her school teacher coming in and sharing with the class that the president had died, and she just wept. The school teacher, she said, I, I had her for several years. I'd never seen her cry at anything before, but she wept when the president had died. Oftentimes, decades are associated with presidencies. So those who were raised uh, in the 50s may think of Eisenhower. Those who were raised in the 60s may think of LBJ, the 70s, uh, Nixon, Reagan in the 80s, Clinton and Obama and President Bush are often associated with the decades in which they served as president and people were raised during that period of time. And as they look back upon their childhood, they associate that with that time. So often the days that we live in and the activities we engage in are often associated with our leaders and that we can identify our church with the leader at any given point in time. And I think that's why the death of Moses came as such a shock to people. 
because they had just assumed he had always been there. He always would be there. And so it was not incidental when we turn the page from Deuteronomy to Joshua and we read this powerful verse in verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua. Because that told people that God was still speaking to his people. That God's message for his people, that God's leadership of his people was not tied up in who the leader happened to be at any moment. So it is shocking and surprising that Brother Andy is no longer our pastor. That's surprising. We, we, don't, we don't always know who to expect standing up here from Sunday to Sunday, where we knew for years, for decades, who that would be. Now that time has changed. Interim times can be unsettling. In fact, I would say they're always unsettling because what we've come to depend upon and expect shifts during interim times. What should encourage us and what we find when we read through Scripture is that we're not the first church to ever go through this. And we're not, this is not the first time the people of God have experienced a transition in leadership. One of the longest reigning kings in the Old Testament was King Uzziah, reigned for 52 years in Judah. And uh, it was a time of great prosperity for Judah, a a time of great peace. Uh, There wasn't much uh, fighting going on. It was a, a period of decades and decades of stability while he was king. And so imagine when King Uzziah died, how shocking that must have been to the people of God. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it's not an incidental detail that Isaiah identifies his calling that we're so familiar with, where he saw the angels and heard them singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And all of that experience with God was tied to the death of King Uzziah. So in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, we read, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, said Isaiah. Isaiah ties his calling and God's speaking into the death of this longtime king. And so Isaiah recognizes himself and then his ministry that carries on after that served to remind folks that God continues to speak and to lead his people even when there are transitions in leadership. What about other transitions? Because you and I experience transitions in our lives that's separate from the church. Uh, we experience people uh, coming and leaving. We experience new births. We experience uh, times of death in our families. And God's word speaks to us as well on an individual level that God continues to work in our lives during days of transition. In Luke chapter 8, there's just a heart-rending story of the head of the synagogue, Jairus, whose daughter... Uh, uh, was so ill that she passed away. And it was at that time that Jairus, who would have been separate from Jesus because uh, he was this leader of the synagogue, it was at that time that he reached out to Jesus and discovered uh, through his daughter uh, coming back to life, through Jesus' uh, power of healing, 
that God had a word for him during that day of transition and that day of heartbreak. One of the most constant messages of Scripture is that God is present during difficult and challenging days. And that's true for individuals, and that's true for churches as well. In fact, when we go through the Bible, we see that God's call on His people always goes beyond whoever the leader happened to be at the moment. We see this in Jesus' life. He spent, I would argue, His life preparing His disciples to carry on without Him. He invested his life tremendously with them, knowing that his time with them was going to be short. And that investment led to the the spread of the gospel all across the world because of their work. Jeremiah and Job, when we read their stories, they are full of questions to God because of transitions going on in their lives, because of pain going on in their lives. They ask him questions over and over and over There's all these chapters, there's 37 chapters of questions in the book of Job. Guess how many chapters of answers there are? Zero. Zero. Jeremiah asked questions repeatedly of God as he encountered heartbreak as Judah fell apart around him. And he's not given answers for that. I would argue that the Bible is not a book of answers but rather that what we learn when we see the questions that are asked is that the people who ask them get something better than answers, and that is they encounter God. They get to see God at work. And so during the interim time, we're filled with questions. I won't put that on you. I'm filled with questions. I want to know things like, boy, I wonder what our attendance is going to be post-COVID. I don't have an answer for that. Or I wonder what our budget is going to look like. I don't have an answer to that. Here's one I really want to know. Who's going to be our next pastor? I really want to know the answer to that. I don't have an answer for that either. But what I'm learning when I read Scripture is that those aren't the right questions. As much as I want to know the answer to those, the question that I find over and over that the people of God work through is this question. How faithful are we going to be to what God has called us to do? Because that hasn't changed. How faithful are we going to be to sharing the love of Christ with people in this community, in this country, and to the uttermost parts of the earth? God speaks during the interim time our, our uh, methods may change. The person who is our pastor may change, but God's message doesn't change. That continues throughout our lives and throughout the life of our church. God says in verse 2 of Joshua 1, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over into Jordan. Remember, that had been the plan throughout Moses' life, and I'm sure people were wondering, okay, what now? And God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Get ready. We're heading to Jordan. Because that's what God has called us to do. No matter who happened to be the leader at the moment. The focus was not on the dead Moses. It wasn't even on the living Joshua. The focus was on God's calling on his people. 
That's where the focus remains. So the first thing we recognize when we look at Joshua 1 is that God speaks to his people during days of transition. The second thing we see is that God calls us to greater things than we even expected. We see this in verses 3 through 5. Every place on which the sole of your foot steps, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No one will be able to oppose you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, so shall I be with you. I will not desert you nor abandon you. Can you imagine telling the people that day, you're going to experience greater things than the Exodus? I mean, this was a generation raised on the story of the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. They had seen the manna day by day. If you had shared with them what going into Israel would mean, what the coming of Christ would mean, what their contribution would be, they would have been astounded. Because God had greater things in mind for them than they even expected for themselves. The relationship between God and his people gets better and better. It reminds me a little bit, I remember many years ago, decades ago, in fact it was a previous century, our oldest child was born. It's a really long time ago. She's 26. And I remember we brought her home from church, uh, no, the hospital. People came from church uh, during the first few uh, days and weeks, uh, they, they brought us a meal train. Thank the Lord for meal trains. They brought just incredible food. And, uh, for the first few weeks, Hannah, we would bundle her up. We would put her in her, her cedar. We would hold her and we would just look at her. We would just like stare at her and be astounded at this child that she was here and astounded that they would let us leave the hospital with her. I mean, without taking a test or something. And so we went through this phase where we would just look at her. And so all these people brought food by. And we had one couple uh, in our class who was older than the rest. They'd had multiple kids by this point. And I'll I'll never forget this. We were were, uh, sitting there and they uh, began to walk out. And right before they headed out the front door, the, the lady turned and she said, I know it's great right now, but it gets better. As much fun as it is right now, it gets better. And I'm not, you know, sometimes you hear wisdom and and it sort of sticks with you for decades. That has always stuck with me when it has come to being a parent. Because I have loved every single phase of my kids' lives and it has gotten better each step along the way. And so much so that I wouldn't want them to stay where they were at any point in time. As much as I enjoyed Hannah sitting there, not doing much of anything, God has plans for her life. There are things that he has called her to do. It always gets better. I'm reminded, and since he's not here, I'll have to be sure to tell a story about my son Paul. Uh, we, we used to go grocery shopping. I would always take the kids grocery shopping and, uh, uh, Hannah was uh, 10, Bethany was seven and Paul was three. And we would go to, uh, different stores. On this particular occasion, we went to Walmart and whenever we would go into a store, I would go over with Paul what the rules were for the store. 
It was like a catechism that I would go through with him each time. And I would say, rule number one, what's rule number one? And he would say, rule number one. And he would think real carefully. And he would say, don't touch anything. And I said, yes, that is rule number one. Rule number two, what is rule number two? Rule number two, he would think for a second. I would usually have to prompt him. Rule number two was stay with the cart. Stay with the cart. And if you break, rule number one, this is just like Deuteronomy, the blessings and the cursings. If you break, rule number one or rule number two, he said, I have to stay in the basket. And that was right. That was the the worst punishment was uh, keeping him restricted in any way. So we were going shopping on this day. And what I would do is instead of taking a cart and three active kids down the aisle, I would park the cart at the end, like the base camp, and then I would go off foraging in the aisle and bring stuff back. So I had left them, and the girls did a great job of keeping him uh, occupied on almost every occasion. And this particular day, I was looking at trying to figure out which peanut butter to, to get. I went with Crunchy. Uh, but I felt someone pulling on my shirt and it was my eldest child. And before I could ask why there were just two of them instead of three of them, she said, Paul's gone. Paul's gone is what she said. And I, I said, where? And she pointed generally toward the dairy section. And so we had to, we had to get the cart, all go over there. And when we arrived there, they had these, uh, uh, horizontal coolers that were maybe I don't know, three feet wide, maybe 10 feet long, uh, full of, in this case, blocks of sharp cheddar cheese. Ungraded, the, the full blocks of them. And, uh, and I looked and my son was standing in the middle of this, uh, collection of cheese. And he was, this was very disconcerting. He was looking at me eye level. Like we were, it was sort of our first standoff, uh, eye to eye. And so I um, took a step forward toward him and reached for him, and he took a step back. And I realized a couple of things. One, I realized there were lots of witnesses present, and so I had to act very carefully. Uh, but then I took a step to the side, and then he he would move to the opposite direction as he was kind of thrashing around in the cheese. And so at this point, uh, my daughters who were watching in absolute awe of what was transpiring at the moment, I had to gather their, their help and use them like sheepdogs and gesture for them to go around until I could finally get my hands on him, which I succeeded at doing. And all I could think of, again, there were people present, was to say, Paul, what are you doing? And he looked at me with, I think, the biggest grin I've ever seen in his life. And he said, Dad, I stand on cheese. As though he he could knock that off his bucket list uh, of something to accomplish. Tremendous fun in retrospect. Uh, Not at the moment, but but a a fun story, a fun experience, and, and delighted by it. So fast forward to last week. We go down to Houston. And we spend uh, several hours in the car there, several hours coming back, and he's heading off to college this fall. And so we talk about everything. We talk about God. We talk about college. We talk about music. All of this we, we talk about. And I'm telling you, it just gets better and better and better. 
and and what a blessing we we stopped by in uh, in independence to see the birthplace of uh university of mary harden baylor and i think another school i forget the name of the uh the other institution and uh and sitting there talking about what life was like back then and how life is today and, and uh, just, uh, just a meaningful moment and a moment we would never have shared if he were still four years old, if he hadn't changed, if he hadn't grown, if he hadn't matured. And so when God speaks to his people and says, you've got to change in order to be prepared for what's coming, that's something that we need to be mindful of. Because God has called us to change. God loves us exactly the way we are. We don't have to do anything to make God love us more. But God loves us so much, He doesn't want us to stay the way we are. He wants us to continue to grow in the knowledge and fullness of who He is. And even if we decided, you know what, we're not going to change... We're just going to stay exactly the way we are, sort of calcified in uh, whatever our preferred time period is. The fact is, uh, the world continues to change, and it changes rather quickly. There was a, there's a great service that's provided on an annual basis by Beloit College uh, where they, they publish a list for uh, faculty and staff at universities to prepare them for the incoming freshman class because this is wild but like the students that arrive on campus they're always 18 years old when they get there by and large but we get older every year like every year we get older and they stay the same age and so we're continually having to learn about them and work to connect with them and so Beloit College helps by they by putting out a list each year of how things are for the freshman class so here's the list from a year or two ago Here's what they note. Like Pearl Harbor for their grandparents, and like the Kennedy assassination for their parents, 9-11 has always been a historical event. It's not something that they experienced directly themselves. The primary use of a telephone has always been to take pictures. Thumb drives, jump drives, and USB flash drives have always been around and they've never used a floppy disk. Yeah, I hear that. Amen. Uh, the big, uh, the tech big four, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Google, are to them what the big three automakers were to those of us. Passengers, their whole life, passengers have always had to take off their shoes when they got on an airplane. Most of them will rent, not buy their textbooks. Uh, most of them have probably all been ghosted before. I'll let you ask them what that means. I'm sure not our group. We, we have, well, we know of people who've been ghosted. Uh, there have always been smartwatches. Cal Ripken Jr. has always been retired, and th- this one's very painful to me personally. Quarterback Troy Aikman has always called the plays from the broadcaster's booth instead of from on the field. These students today are different. So even if you and I don't want to change the world, it keeps coming at us. It keeps changing. So how are we to manage? God always speaks to us during times of transition. Second point, God calls us to greater things than we even imagine for ourselves. And third, 
God is faithful to his promises. We see this in verses 6 through 9. This familiar refrain, he says it three times in three verses, so it's probably important. Be strong and courageous, he says. For you will give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may achieve success wherever you go. The book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it when you will make your way and be prosperous. Then you will achieve success. Have I not commanded it? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm sure growing up, the teachers I had covered this. I'm also sure I didn't pay attention because I always associated be strong and courageous with like fighting. Like I knew they were heading into the promised land. I knew they were going to uh, have to go in and conquer the land. And so to be strong and courageous, I thought it meant strong to be like really muscular and courageous to charge into battle. But the focus on strength and courage is not, there's not a, a mention of military terms in here at all, but rather a focus on following the law of the Lord. In other words, it's not their fighting that God is com- commending them for and commanding them to, but rather it's their faithfulness. And as you think about the stories surrounding the conquest of the promised land, so often they center on has someone been uh, sinful in their life or not? And how faithful, even even in stuff that make us scratch our head, and I'm sure them too, things like be sure to walk around this city 12 times and then start blowing your trumpets and everything will be okay. Just trust me. Be obedient. Things that sound uh, just absolutely uh, incredible to us. God says, be faithful and be courageous. God challenges us to be faithful to what he has commanded of us and what he commanded us during uh, times where we have leaders should keep us in place even in times between leadership. God doesn't promise us stability. God doesn't promise us comfort or ease. Uh, or that things will be exactly the way they, we want them to be. God commands us uh, to be faithful. So, do we enjoy this interim time? I don't know. Some days, more so than others, perhaps. But God constantly works through His people during these days. Because here's the, here's the secret. Who, I, I can't wait for a new pastor to get here. I've been praying for him already. I know you have as well. I'll be excited when he gets here. Uh, I hope he is here for decades. But there will be a time when he won't be here again. That in a sense, every pastor is an interim pastor. God remains the same and his people, his calling on his people remains the same. And so as the people of God, as the church, we must continue to be faithful to what God has called us to do, no matter who happens to be our pastor at any particular moment. I'm going to ask now that the praise team uh, come up.
I've shared with you from Scripture how God works in the lives of His people as a group during times of transition. And it's also been my experience that God works in the lives of individuals through times of transition. And so I want to give you an opportunity to come forward and share with Brother Matt. He's going to be up here uh, for us in just a moment about what God may be doing in your life. Or perhaps now is a difficult time that you're experiencing and you simply want someone to pray with you. Because God is at work during challenging and difficult days, whether they're the days of a church or the days of an individual. His presence is here and it's here for you. Would you please stand as we sing? If you would like more information, call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street in Belton, Texas. We hope to see you soon.